0: The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Good Tentacle Tuesday to you. A perceived disaster may not be something horrible, but something needed. For a perceived misfortune may also be a blessing. It's all in how it plays out as there are always many ramifications to every decision, every action. Nowhere is this more true than in the pages of a story. Now, let us find out together what Mr. Alistair has set into motion, shall we? As we step through the gate in Chapter 8, The Other Side of the Gate. Katie and Sam sat chatting as Sam sleepily finished her tea. A strange vibration rumbled through the room and both could hear the sound of large tumblers falling into place. "'What's that?' Sam asked. She had not been here when Jack had left and had never seen or heard someone using the gate before. Caitlin responded with slight confusion. "'I think it's a Sullivan gate, but who would be using that?' Caitlin and Sam looked at each other, Sam's eyes opening wide in concern, and said, Oh no, Mr. Allister! The two raced out of the room to the top of the stairs. They watched as the frame of the door turned blue and Mr. Allister turned and stepped into the gate. Sam cried out, Mr. Allister, wait! But he had already stepped inside. The crimson glow swirled into the mix of blue energy and began to build up and around the doorframe. Then, before anyone knew or could stop her, Sam was up and over the railing and racing to the gate behind Mr. Alistair. Caitlin yelled, No! And Terrence tried desperately to pull the blade out in time to shut down the gate, but Cassandra's magic had already overridden the gate. A tremendous feedback was growing and they both lost Sam in a flash of light as she jumped in after Mr. Alistair. Caitlin gripped the railing as an explosion rocked the cafe, shattering the doorframe, sending Terrence flying into the coffee bar. Caitlin continued to scream after the little girl as the bottom of the staircase was swept away in a sea of black fire. Terrence rolled over and plunged a sword into the floor as a wave overtook him. As he did so, he could barely make out a tall, beautiful woman... ...wings reaching across the span of the lobby. She stood arms out as if holding back the blast. The electricity crackled into a swirl of blue that surrounded all of them. As the explosion subsided, the image faded and Terrence slumped to the floor, unconscious. Alistair felt a jolt as he stepped into the blue light. The Guardian, he thought. He had come much faster than he and Terence originally thought. A sea of black flames rose up around him, swirling into the sea of red. Cassandra! He braced himself as best as he could, taking his axe and using it like an anchor. As he did so, he could swear a small girl ran past him into the oncoming black flames. Sam! Sam! But it was too late. She was gone in an instant. A sense of frustration and rage overtook him as the torrent of energy slammed into him, the onslaught pounding him like heavy waves until finally he succumbed. He found himself being pulled deeper and deeper into the vortex, which finally sent him flying into a hard, rocky surface. He hit with a thunderous thump as shale cracked and flew up into the air. Barely holding onto consciousness, he watched as the smoky red tail dissipated barely catching the sounds of someone crying as it vanished. Sitting up, he checked himself over. Everything ached. He had taken quite a beating. As he tried to regain his bearings, he could hear people shouting and the clang of steel, a sound and scent he knew all too well. Battle. Get those people through the gate, he heard someone demand. We can't. It's malfunctioning. A blast of fire struck nearby, and he could hear the sounds of bones breaking under the shredding of metal. He looked up following the origins of the blast. A mammoth demon crossed over, its shadow causing men to fall on their knees, whimpering and crossing themselves in prayer, knowing death had come for them. "'Fall back!' the person demanded. "'Get them to the shelter by the cliffs! I'll hold it back as long as I can!' "'Are you insane? That's a glantros!' And what will you have me do? The man demanded. With the gate down, we need to retreat. The demon made a pass over again, letting out a hiss before another ball of flames came hurtling towards the men below. The warrior braced himself with his shield and managed to absorb the blast, his legs bending under the stress. Alistair could see he was now in distress as he barely moved. Alistair reached around and took hold of the amulet. If he took it off, he risked the waste and the possibility of destruction for Eglantros. If he didn't, it was certain everyone here would die. Grasping it with his hand, he tore it off and discarded it onto the shale. Immediately, he felt a surge of power, growing twice the size he was, sprouting off his head and back were horns and wings once more as he let out a terrifying roar. The man looked over in his direction and stumbled back as several others cried out, "'It's another demon!' It's Malinthorne the Destroyer! We're done for! Malinthorne. The man thought about his odds. Eklantros was bad enough, but... Malinthorne? Eklantros laughed haughtily as he began to make another pass. He had noticed it, but the humans had not. Not yet. While Malinthorne clearly looked demonic, his horns and wings were made of energy. Life energy. Malinthorne was sacrificing his strength, but for what purpose? Whatever it was, it wouldn't be an issue for him. Ekmalak had foretold him of Malinthorne's coming and the defeat at his hands. He'd even given him a special weapon just for the occasion. There, he thought to himself, as it closed over the fragments of humans that remained on the battlefield. A child barely crawling its way from the carnage. Oh, will blast it. And surely that fool will waste his strength on such a pitiful creature. And I'll be rewarded (laughs) tenfold. As I kill both him and that fox angel Stevens. (laughs) Alistair surveyed the field. Did a think that warrior was Jack or the child? Either way, he only still had one true option. Another surge of power came bursting forth from Eglantros' mighty talons, aiming at the child. As he predicted, Malanthorn raced over, taking the blow for the child, sending him flying into the craggy stone once more. Alistair coughed up blood, his ribs smashed, the energy surge that had given him wings and horns nearly used up. But the child was safe in his arms. He looked at his face, young, kind and clearly in pain. A trumpet blasted, and everyone looked up. Another shadow rose up into the sky, higher and higher. Alistair recognized it immediately, and the sound of the sword unsheathing. What? Huh? Eclantros exclaimed, And what are you supposed to be? Death was the only response. As Jack swooped down onto Eglantros' back, the demon howled in pain. How? I had broken you! You lay half dead on the field! Jack smiled. Do you really think I'd allow myself to fall to some worm like you? Now, be gone! Back to the waste with you! An enormous wave of energy erupted, making the one sent by Iglantros pale in comparison, sending the demon slamming into the side of the cliff wall, causing an avalanche of rock and sand to pour down on it. Alistair could see terror in its eyes. This, this was the Jack he had faced, the young Jack Stevens. Iclantos tried desperately to rise back into the air when Jack hit him with a second blast. As it struck, Alistair caught a familiar scent. It was the scent of the waste. Iclantos began to scream as invisible hands grabbed at it, pulling it deeper and deeper into the swirling bowl of energy that was growing larger and larger with each turn. Alistair could feel himself being pulled towards it. The amulet! Where is it? He looked in every direction but nothing. Would this really be his end? The wind kicked up around him, and he could feel himself being pulled towards the waist. The sounds of wings flapping caught his attention, and the air pressure decreased, allowing Alistair to regain his footing, at least momentarily. I think you've lost this, a voice said. Alistair turned and looked. It was Jack, young Jack, his eyes glowing a deep purple, his wings still flapping behind him. Jack looked at the amulet and then at Mr. Alistair. I believe I've met you before, haven't I? Jack asked. You seem smaller, different somehow. And this, what and who gave you such a device, demon, that you could roam free once more? I don't believe you'll believe me. ''Mr. Stevens,'' Alistair said. The vortex had now closed, but he was still in tremendous danger. Jack might not believe him, and he could still be sent hurtling into the waste. What should he do? Another being descended, just to the right of Jack, cloaked in blazing white, wings that stretched nearly six feet in each direction, a glint of gold flashed above this one's head. Jack turned to him. ''Mikau, you're late.'' But perhaps you can instruct me on what to do with our lost friend here. Macau spoke. It sounded similar to the trumpet blast from before, clear and announcing. If it was up to I, all of his ilk would be burned to a cinder for their defiance. But he had other ideas, and he has told me not to harm this one. I see. Demon? Yes, Mr. Stevens. Explain yourself. And trust me, I took notes on how you saved that child. Alistair explained everything and in every detail. I see, Jack said. I need to know exactly when and leave no detail out. Alistair gave him the day and time he arrived at the coffee shop, how Jack left the very blade he carried now, and how Terrence used it to open the Solomon Gate. Macau frowned. It's also complicated, and yet... It completes a full circle that none of us could have foreseen. Plus, I know of the girl he speaks of. She's... He went quiet, as if contemplating something. Not even he could see Aldone's plans or how she fits into it. So, you're called Mr. Alistair now? Jack questioned, still skeptical. Yes, Alistair replied. And you're intent on returning, helping that boy with the knowledge that it will lead to your own end. I do, Mikel shrugged. I still don't trust him, but I do trust Aldone. Jack nodded. Fine, I will send you forth, back through time and just outside the place you seek. But before I do, I think there's someone you should meet. Boy, come here and thank this man for saving you. The boy hesitated. Come on, Jack demanded. You should always show your appreciation for those who have done you a kindness. Now, thank Mr. Alistair, Jack insisted. Thank you for saving me, the boy said with a bow. Good job, Terrence. Now, go find General White. He'll be taking care of you from here on out. Alistair gave an inquisitive look. Yes, Jack said. That boy will be the Terence White you meet in the future, and no, he won't remember this. However... Because of everything you told me, I know exactly when to expect you and exactly what to do. Alistair was flabbergasted. What the Order had thought was a trap was actually necessary. Jack handed the amulet back to him and clapped his hands together. Now, about those looks. Alistair could feel an enormous surge of energy, and when he looked down at his own arms and hands, he looked human. Mikau raised his wings and put his hand on Mr. Alistair's shoulders. I will send you since the gate is down. Plus, I don't think the Guardian would welcome you. A white light erupted from the ground around Alistair. It did not burn, but yet made Alistair feel woozy as everything around him bent in a strange fashion. The next thing he knew, he was racing through a bus depot, nearly colliding with a boy carrying a large red and black backpack. Nikki fell back exhausted. Using magic was draining. And seeing her failure? Unpleasant. Or soon it would be. Swallowing hard, she swiped her hand over the pool of dark water in the well. Mother? Yes, my daughter! I have failed. The demon Malenthorn still lives. Silence came back. Nikki could feel herself shaking. It was rare she failed. But this time it had been costly. Finally, a cold, calculated voice came back. Then I guess I must really rely on that sister of yours to complete the task. Needless to say, I am not pleased. However, I can see how this may still work out in our favor. <laughs> Now, go summon the mortal Collins for me. I'll need his <laughs> help. Yes, Mother. The pool went silent, and Nikki waved her hand across it again. Rise for me, Nikki demanded, and forming out of the sludge and rising up out of the pool, a body rose, taking the shape of a vulgar looking man. Mother, has need of you again. Reginald Collins smiled, his half-rotting teeth still covered in the inky-like fluid. Pretty, pretty, oh, you're so pretty. Nicky scowled as he reached towards her, a black flame pushing the foul-looking man back. Don't you dare touch me, human! Now, my mother awaits! Be gone! he snickered and bowed. As you wish, as you wish. In the end, you'll all be mine. <laughs> In the end. <laughs> Such a beast. I swear on his name. If he ever reaches towards me again, I will burn him so barely even mother won't be able to raise him again. The night went silent and the beastly man left crawling his way like a rotting cockroach until he came upon the very house Cassandra requested. Home, home, it's good to be home again. Now I need something to eat. (laughs) He went off chasing a rat, but this wasn't the rat he really wanted. Soon. He'd be here soon.
1: Time.
0: Time has ties that none of us can see because we stand within its stream. Isn't it said that a fish cannot perceive the stream that takes it to the ocean? The same could be said of the Order, not being able to see that their decision to interfere would lead to the eventual rise of Terence White, current leader of the Sacred Dawn. And what of poor Sam as... Excuse me, Lord Piotra? Um, yes, hello... Yes, um, I'm not quite done yet. Could you, uh, give me a minute? I see, I see. How interesting. A little bit more of the story to tell. As you wish, O oh narrator. Please, continue. Sam felt the blast of energy overtake her, and then nothing. It was as if she was floating in darkness. She could still see the original pathway open to her and race down it without thinking of how strange she felt. How light. The bluish glow swirled like a tunnel leading her. But where was she going? And she caught no sign of Mr. Alistair. She stopped in midstream and began to cry. Something large moved from just beyond the light and she grew horribly frightened. Mr. Alistair... Oh no, I am not he, it responded. Sam began to shake, but planted her feet. It was at that moment she realized she was just energy in human form. She gulped. Was she dead? No, child, the thing just outside the light said, as if amused. Not dead. Then, where am I? You're everywhere and nowhere. You're stuck in between. She swallowed hard and then demanded, What about Mr. Alistair? You didn't hurt him. Or I'll. <laughs> what spunk? You really are a strange one, aren't you? Aren't you worried about what's going to happen to you? The fact that you're stuck in the middle of. "'My domain!' "'Tears ran down what she still perceived as cheeks. "'Using the energy to make a fist "'and leaning forward on the illusion of knees, "'she yelled back, "'Of course I am! "'But Mr... but Mr. Allister, "'He's a friend, and he... "'It chuckled some more. <laughs> "'Come, little girl. "'I will take you to my master, "'and we'll see what we can do for you.' And, yes, Mr. Alistair, too. <laughs> now, where was I? Ah, yes, and what of Sam? She's stuck somewhere in between with the Guardian of the Gate. Interesting, very interesting. I wonder what fate shall befall her, hmm. But for now, the story will have to move on without her, as we return to the flower shop in Chapter 9, Tea for Two.